With that said, I wanted to invite Aaron on up. He is the... Uh, Next to Father God, he is the head dad here today. And so we wanted to bless him. I have a little gift I want to give to him. But please extend your hands to him. We're going to bless this man. Lord, we know you love us because you gave us Aaron Simmons. We know you love us because you gave us him to, to lead us here. And God, we thank you for the man that you've made him to be. We thank you for the father that you made him to be and the son that he is. Lord, we bless him. We just You would just shock and surprise him with how good you are and how much more you have for him. And God, I pray that you show him that, that you have bigger dreams than he does. That just pour out those dreams even bigger. Bless him in every way. Thank you, God, for him. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Woo, hot mic. Yeah, thanks. Hot mic. All right, you guys want me to open it now? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll talk a little bit so they can adjust the microphone. I got to be polite and open the card first. I'm not naturally that way. Give me the present. Nicole's like, open the card first. Be, you know, oh, that's so cute. So today is a celebration of all the gifts you bring to our family. Hope you'll spend it smiling and feeling loved because you are. Happy Father's Day. Um, let me make sure this isn't private. Aaron, we are both humbled and blessed to have you as the father of this house. Thank you for leading from the heart. Love your Erwick family. So awesome. Thanks. Okay, let's get to the goods here. Just kidding. Just kidding. I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, yeah. A new trail camera. Yes. So this is just a prophecy that the things being stolen from you, God is restoring. The Father. Mine got stolen. So uh, God's restoring things that have been stolen in this season. So just hold on to that, right? That's a good word. I, I believe that. There's, there's been a lot of stuff stolen. A lot of time, a lot of distraction, a lot of issues, a lot of trauma. And the, the devil's tried to steal things, but he's getting what's coming to him, and he gets to rot in hell forever. So the Father, a good, loving Father, is restoring things that have been taken from you. So receive that word. Okay, we got a new little thing here. Uh, Steve Justice was asking for a better podium and Nicole, and so finally they all won. I've been wanting to make one like out of natural wood. I was like, I'm never going to get to it. So I just ordered one on Amazon. So how about I start with 14 stupid dad jokes? Yeah, buddy. Okay, let's do it. Let me, let me. I, I counted. I was like, oh, man, I had like 27. That was way too many. But I was like, I got to keep these 14, all right? And we at the fire department, we love the number 14 for whatever reason. So if the guys are watching today, this one's for you. Okay. Why did the cookie go to the hospital? That's right, because he was feeling crummy. Brad, your dad's an expert in these, aren't, isn't he? Oh, okay, all right. Let's see how many you can get. What did one plate say to the other plate? Dinner's on me. Why did the pony get sent to his room? Because he wouldn't stop horsing around. What do you call a cow that eats grass? A lawn mower. <laughs> Feel free to steal any of these, all right? I did from Google. 
Why do fish live in salt water? Because pepper makes them sneeze. Salt water, pepper makes them sneeze. Okay. Why, what did the Dalmatians say after lunch? Boy, that hit the spot. Why can't a leopard hide? Because he's always spotted. Three more. Why should you not let a cat operate the remote? He'll keep pressing his paws all over the button. Oh, no, he'll be pressing the pause button. Sorry, I, I totally messed that up. Why should you not let a cat operate the remote? Because he keeps pressing the pause button. Okay, that was much better. <laughs> okay. What is a robot's favorite snack? Computer chips. <laughs> These are awesome. I should do this every week. Okay, last one. And I saved this one just for you guys. I was like, this one has to be last. Why did the banana go to the hospital? Because he was peeling really bad. I accidentally deleted one. That wasn't supposed to be the last one. Oh, well, can't find it. So there was one to do with church. I was like, oh, that'll be the last one. So I'll find it. I'll save that one for next week. We'll table that. I found 53 funny dad jokes. So I clipped out 14 of them for you. Happy Father's Day. And uh, I know Josh, he acknowledged all dads, but man, we never want to overlook hopeful dads, uh, dads that wanted to be dads, and for whatever reason, the, just something didn't work out, or future dads. And uh, we're excited for the young men in here that can grow up in purity and integrity and being godly sons, children of God, and one day you're going to be the most amazing dads because you know what it's like to be a son. How many know that good sons make good dads? Good, good followers make good leaders, just as children of God, sons of God who know who they are, who know whose they are, end up being really good dads. And, uh, and I'm really proud to be a really amazing dad because I was on track to not be. I'm really proud to be an amazing husband because I wasn't one until God, but God, right? And now he gets to be the greatest demonstration of my life. And, and something happened to me. Um, I'd just love to share part of my story uh, just really briefly here, but I remember that the thing that gr gave me the greatest impact in my walk with Christ as a man, as a dad, as a husband, was the love of the Father. I had this radical encounter and became a believer, but then there was something that totally transformed my heart and my mindset when I realized and I had a revelation and a transformation that led like this, this overwhelming thing when I realized the Father actually loved me. Like the father loves me as a child, and something happened. And I remember holding Chloe. She's, she's our oldest. She's on vacation with her grandparents right now, but uh, she's 13, which my dad, her grandparents, my dad, is on vacation right now. I know they're watching right now, so happy Father's Day, Dad. Love you. Thanks for being a friend and a mentor and the best dad that uh, I could have imagined on earth. So, and the original founder and father of this house. So we just honor Greg Simmons, my dad. So... Happy Father's Day, Dad. Hopefully you're watching on the beach. I don't know if you're in the condo or the beach, but hopefully it's a beach stream right now. Um, but anyway, uh, I remember holding Chloe, and I was holding her, and, and we got home, and this may have been days or weeks after we were home with her, and I just remember like, like that light bulb going off and like, aha, that's the love of the Father. Here's a little baby that poops, sleeps, cries, and requires us to feed her, and it's absolutely an inconvenience in my life, right? I mean, they're work, okay? This, like, no one, no one, we didn't get home, sent home with, like, the, the manual, 
And, and somehow this hospital entrusted Nicole and I to raise a child, and we've never raised children. So, so here we are. I remember walking in, but I remember holding that baby, and I remember holding Chloe. I remember looking at her like, oh, that's the father's love. She does nothing to deserve this. She did nothing. Matter of fact, she's, she's more of a need than she is giving me anything, but I absolutely love her unconditionally. There's just something about that, and that's the father with all of us is he just loves us unconditionally. There's nothing we do to earn it. We actually need more from him than we can give to him, and that will always be the case, but he just loves us. That's, that's the whole purpose of, of who we are. He created us for his pleasure. He created us as his craftsmanship to worship him, to glorify him, to lead others to him, and he just absolutely adores and loves us, and it even says he lavishes us with his love. Isn't that a great thought on Father's Day? So let me get into a message here for Father's Day. Um, I'd love for you to go to Proverbs 27, 20, verse 7. Um, and I read a lot of different versions, so this is New Living Translation. So Proverbs 20, verse 7. It says, The godly walk with integrity, and then it says, Blessed are their children who follow them. So, and, and then there's other verses in the Bible that says, Children are a gift from God. It's talking about arrows and, and, and a quiver, and, and children are a gift. They're our inheritance. And how amazing is it? I, I started a new tradition this year, and I bought all of my kids a gift for Father's Day because I wouldn't be a father without them. So I gave them all these Amazon gift cards because they love, right now they love Amazon. They pay us back, and they give us money. like, will you buy this on Amazon? And we help them buy something. And so I gave them all an Amazon card, got them all donuts and chocolate milk. And sorry, Chloe, you missed out on that one. But... This is a new tradition I started because I, I honestly am really weird to buy for and I don't like receiving gifts I'd rather give gifts and it even comes across sometimes. I'm not grateful because I just I feel guilty I don't I don't want to receive I'm just like yeah, I'd rather just save the money I, you know I work hard to provide and, 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 and Earn that money. I just want to save it. Let's use it for a project Let's use it to go to dinner, you know, so then when I get these gifts So anyways, I decided to just lavish my kids But I just woke up this morning just thankful to the Lord that I received the gift of children that I received that blessing and they're an inheritance and the greatest disciples that I'll ever raise are uh, my children. And, and I just want to let you know, today's message isn't just pinpointed on, on fathers. I want you to translate this to your relationships. Maybe you're a mom in here. These are, these are good things that we're going to go through over the next 25 to 30 minutes. And they're just good things in relationships. Maybe, you know, and I want to make that very clear that we have a lot of singles in the church that we celebrate and we love and we make space to, to absolutely make sure you're not left out because even, the, even Paul talks about the, the importance of being single and not marrying and being, having a calling the other thing is there's married people, and then there's married people without children, and then there's unmarried people, or divorced, or widowed. Or, so I want to make sure that this is a message, just translate it to your life application to treat relationships in these ways. So God has given you people, maybe young people, like Mike and Jackie. They've given them young people and youth to mentor and pour into and to parent, and they are a gift from God that God is allowing us to steward the person serving us lunch today. Or steward and disciple that person next to us in a cubicle. So these things translate to where, you know, there's a lot of people that can have children, but not everybody's a father or a mother. We have this raging uh, epidemic right now called fatherlessness that doesn't get much talked about. And that's a big issue in our culture and in many cultures of fatherlessness. And if you parallel that to, to imprisonments and arrests and all that, you trace it back. Or a lot of the times when I was working with addicts, many addicts had issues with their fathers or lack thereof fathers. 
It was a fatherlessness that creates this gap, or a father that was abusive, or a father that was terrible, or a father that never gave affirmation. Well, I'm just here to tell you that we have the greatest father on the planet that'll never leave you, that'll never forsake you, that lavishes you with his love, and he calls you his children. So what you are, you're his sons and daughters bought with the spirit of adoption, where we can cry out what? Abba, Father, Daddy. So um, as we get on here, I want to just start with a story. And Chloe, um, I, I often ask my kids, what do you need from me to feel more loved? What do, what do you need to feel cherished? And I ask Nicole that question often too. Am I loving you well? Am I giving you time? Am I, am I giving you what you need to feel loved, to, to feel free, to be successful, etc.? And, and our, my kids, they begin to go through this list with me over time, and, and I'm learning. And one of those key things that I want to get into later, one of those key things was being gentle, being kind. I'm going to get there, but, but part of this message is it, there's so many dads and so many men and so many people, like our job is to provide, and our job is to be the lion and to protect and to be courageous and to, to, to provide for our family, but what about the lamb? And, and we need to be a lion and a lamb. And, and one of the things Chloe was sharing with me, she said, Dad, when you work on projects and you, you get busy or you're working on a house project, you get really mean. <laughs> you, you get, like, really determined, really focused, but you get kind of mean. And we don't really want to be around you when you're working at the house. And I was just like, oh. And it was just one of those things, because the way I look at it is the faster I can get this done, the more time I can spend with my kids. But in the process, I'm damaging the relationships for them not to even want to be around me. You guys know it's been my conviction that I demonstrate the father to my children. And that they don't see the best version of Aaron dad here, but they actually see the best version, even a better version than up here that you see even at home. And I begin to demonstrate the father to them and also hopefully a future husband. And they become attracted to the man I'm displaying and they're drawn to a man of Christ that's portraying the father. I know that's a lot, but that's my conviction. So when Chloe's telling me, you're a butthole when you're working on projects, <laughs> that cut deep. So the other day I'm working on this tree house. And I, yeah, I'm still working on it. It's been almost a year. And I'm still working on it. When it spans 27 feet wide and 10 or 12 feet deep, it's a big project. So uh, I'm mounting the slide a couple weeks ago. I'm like, oh, man, some, Nicole's like, you need to move the slide to the top of your project list. It's summer. The kids are getting older. They're not going to be able to slide down it very long, much longer. They're getting bigger. So... So anyway, I'm working on this slide, and, and I just remember taking that to heart, what Chloe said. So I'm trying to be fun. They're all handing me tools, and they are the best helpers. Like, especially you got to go up and down the treehouse. I'm up, and i got to go up and down, grab this tool, grab this screw, grab this piece of wood. And I'm, like, always just running up and down the stairs. And it's hard, and there's such good helpers. So they're, they're helping me. And then I got Hadassah, and I'm, I'm screwing spindles in to make it safe around where they get inside. They actually climb through a tree and then take the slide. So Hadassah's literally, I'm screwing spindles in. She is crawling through my legs and hitting the slide time after time after time. And I wish I had the video because I'm, I'm, I'd have to say, all right, slide's closed for a minute because here she is just like wanting to get it. And at times it's dangerous, and I've got screws around, and I'm hammering, and, and she's like, Daddy's a slide open? I'm like, yep, it's open. <laughs> and it's, boom, there she goes. And just crawling under. It was amazing. I wish we got pictures and a video of it because it was so fun. And that's, that's what I want to be. But I, I want to make sure that we, we get to this verse. And, and the point of that story is being intentional. Patty mentioned that in her message yesterday, last week in her four points. One of them being a church community, being intentional. 
She talked about these four wonderful points of a church, and she talked about how her and Steve, they weren't even in love when they got married, but love's a choice. And how they develop in the Lord 40, how many 40 years later? 41, where are they? How many years have you been married? 39. 39 years later, obviously they're in love now, right? But that was a choice. It didn't start initially, and she's just like, I knew God had a plan for us. But she was talking about intentionality. I want to read this verse in Galatians 6.10. It's the Passion Translation. And it says this, Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Now, I want to focus on that word opportunity. Take advantage of every opportunity. There are some versions that reference time. Take advantage of time or, or take to heart all time. But it's really opportunity. It comes from the word kairos. Okay, and in this, in this, in this specific example, it's not just time, it's opportunity. It actually translates from opportunity. It's a good translation, even though some say something different. It says, take advantage of every moment of every opportunity in every situation. It's going to the depth of, of, of so deep that you're taking advantage of putting on that slide in the treehouse. Doing that project that you're usually not fun to be around, but now you're taking an opportunity. So I began to take this to heart, and afterwards the kids were helping me. I said, girls, I gathered them all around before bed one night. I said, you guys are the best helpers. You make my job so much easier. It was so fun working together. And you guys in many years are going to look back and say, you helped remodel this house. You helped renovate this house. You helped make that pool area. You built that tree house. And then I began to take myself out of the picture. I was like, you guys, you built that tree house. Look what you did today. I'm taking advantage of every opportunity. That one coffee, that one moment, that one time before bed, that one phone call from work, how was your day? That dinner time, taking advantage of every single second, every time as an opportunity to actually grow in relationship and being intentional. Let, let, me, let me move on. There's a verse, Philippians 2, 3 through 5. In the ESV. I want to just go a little deeper on this. There's something powerful. When she said that word intentional, it grabbed my attention to add it in what I felt the Lord had planned for this week. And, and it was this, it's this intentionality that, that in our relationships, we have to be so intentional. In church, we have to be so intentional. We don't come here just for us. That serving phone number, listen, we have two services, and one of the benefits is that you get to serve in one and attend one. We are not a consumer-driven culture to where it's just me, 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 me. This we call a family. We're, in July, we're pressing in. We're doing a series, and we're, doing, we're going deep on family and what the culture of this house and what upper room is and what the culture of relationships are and what family really looks like. We're not here for us. I'm not here for what I want to happen. Listen, if it was me, I'd do 10 a.m. every week. You know how easy it is preaching only once when you're used to preaching twice? It is so easy. I get to sleep in and I get home early and get lunch faster. I don't do it for me. I'm not serving. I didn't say yes and submit to the Lord and, 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 and having an anointing for me. Holy Spirit came upon me for others. He came in me for me, but he came upon me for others. This is not a consumer-driven culture. Our society shouldn't be, even though it's becoming one. But here's a verse that confronts it, Philippians 2, 3 through 5. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more important or more significant than yourselves. Think of everybody else as better than you. That's one version. That's sobering. 
Then it goes on to verse 8, let each of you look not only on your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, and who? Christ Jesus. That's the mind of Christ. <laughs> he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Jesus, he's modeled this. He modeled it as God the Father. He modeled it here on earth, how he came to be a living sacrifice, a lamb that was to be sacrificed. So here we are now. We're, we're looking at God the Father as the ultimate model of his dad, as a, as a relational person, as a husband, and, and whatever translated to you out here. Like God is the ultimate picture, and he says we, having this mind, is the mind of Christ, being like him in our relationships to say, you know what, be interested. One version says it like this, be interested in the lives of others. When I'm asking my children or Nicole or people around me, hey, how can I make you feel more honored? How can I make you feel more loved or more valued or more cherished or more appreciated or more celebrated? I'm being interested in their life and I'm submitting some of my own interests to give to theirs. I, 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 I've been asking a lot of young guys, how's marriage? How's it going? And, and this one young guy says, man, it's, it's been tough. It's been hard. It's been pretty sacrificial. And uh, oh, it was Zach. They had an anniversary this week. And Zach's like, man, there were some tough times. But, but you know, I'm submitting and surrendering and, and trying to serve and trying my best. And I was like, I think I replied, ditto. Like, love, it, the choice of love, and love is a choice. It's not an accident. We just stumbled it on, and I fell in love. As Scott Thompson was preaching once, like, you don't just stumble one day and fall in love. That makes it an accident, but we choose love in our relationships. We choose love to our children. We choose love to our parents, or we choose love to God the Father. We love because he first loved us. We, we can only give what we receive, so we receive his love. Freely I receive, freely I give. So here we have this intentionality to say, yep, there's going to be some, some sacrifice in this. There's going to be some, some, some hard things in this, and there's going to be some days that, that we go and do this instead of this because they wanted it more than I did. Love is not easy. Relationships are not easy. I'm not talking Facebook relationships. Those are real easy. Enter. Look at me. Yeah, I got an opinion and a platform. Woo! No, that's not the purpose. Relationships are hard, and it actually takes this mending together where you're actually honoring one another and you're loving. Love's hard, but it's rewarding. The cost of covenant is something that's sacrificial, but the reward of covenant is so great. You look at the Israelites, you look at the Acts 2 church, you look at the cost of covenant, but then you look at that reward. Raising children is hard. Raising spiritual children, or however, you know, however what discipleship looks like to you. When you pour into somebody, you know, I, I worked with addicts for a really long time, and man, there was a lot of sacrifice in that. There was a lot of, lot of time spent on that, and at times, you saw nothing in return. At times with our own children, we don't see things in this moment. But let's go to Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs here. Proverbs 22.6. And I have this great study Bible um, that I discovered last week was missing a chapter of the Bible. And I forget which one that was. I'll have to find that again. Proverbs 22.6 says, Direct your children onto the right path, 
And when they are older, they will not leave it. Or train up the child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it, depending on what version you read. This says this. Now, I want to read the commentary under my, under my Bible because this is so valuable. And I was reading this and studying this, and it was so impactful to me. So what does it look like to train up a child? What does it look like to direct a child? And it says this. It says, direct has the idea of a parent graciously investing in a child where whatever wisdom, love, nurture, and discipline is needed for him to become fully committed to God it proposes that emotional and spiritual maturity of the parent to do so. Onto the right path is to do the training according to the unique personality, gifts, and aspirations of the child. Those of you who have multiple children know that every child has a different personality. So those of you who are in relationships know that every person around you has a different need. We have to love in different ways. We have to parent, we have to disciple in different ways to the need or the personality or the uniqueness of that person. Let me just tell you, Hadassah, she does not care about spanking. Doesn't, doesn't affect her. I, it, we try harder. We, we'd be like, it, it, nothing worked. You got to find what works. Now, 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 some of the girls, like, yeah, that worked. You know, and by the way, I, I want to be very, um, very Danny Silk friendly here. Controlling our children when they don't control themselves doesn't work for Hadassah. <laughs> Through the way of spanking. It just, it didn't work. Like, she's just, like, strong-willed. Doesn't care. You can smack harder. It doesn't matter. Like, and then I'm, like, my hand's burning, and I'm, like, oh, this is just, this is not working. We found what worked because each child's so different and unique, and our relationships is the same. So we go on. It says, onto the right path is to do so a train with co- accordance to the unique personality, gifts, and aspirations of the child. It is also means to train the child to avoid whatever natural tendencies he might have that would prevent total commitment to God. For example, a weak will, a lack of discipline, a susceptibility to depression, etc. This verse is not so much a guarantee against potential wayward children, but a general spiritual principle that restates the idea, here's the point, that restates the idea of seeds sown. As we're raising our children or, or nurturing our relationships, whatever that looks like for you, this is a seed that's sown, and it goes on to say, in the early years of a child's life, may not bring forth fruit until later years. And then it says this. I had already picked the other verse out, and it says this. See Galatians 6, 9. 6, 9. We've already read 6, 10. So 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good, At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if what? We don't give up. Then it goes on to say in 10 again, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in our family. Now, Now listen, this is amazing to say, like, it will reap a blessing. You will reap a harvest. You will reap from the seeds you've sown in due time if you don't give up. Many of us, we want the easy button. Remember the commercials from Staples? We want the easy button in relationships. We want the easy button in parenting. We're like, why will they not take a shower? Why will they not go to bed and not leave us alone? Like, easy button, go to bed. No, it's not that. We have to nurture and give wisdom and discipline when needed and love and care. Those are the things that's instructing us, saying, like, train up a child is more than just show them the ways of the Lord. It's also emotional, spiritual, and physical. It's, it's teaching them the ways of the Lord. And we do this through discipleship. 
Nick, Nick has been so good at discipling, and he's doing it in a way through, through devotions and teachings on the monthly things. And then these, he's doing these things called field trips and taking guys fishing and chopping wood and doing this. It's discipleship relationally, but also in the Word. That's how we raise up spiritual children or children of faith is, is we pour out to them to their uniqueness and their personalities. Let, let me move on here. I totally skipped around. So when I was asking my girls, they said, listen, we, we need you to be kind and gentle, all right? So I started just like processing this and praying into this the last couple years or the last year specifically as we begin to dialogue with this. And I begin to just like read some of the verse, to, you know, fathers or parents, fathers, don't provoke your children. Be slow to anger, quick to listen, or slow to speak, quick to listen, all right? And then I begin to just, just press in and lean in this week to the father, like, how do you do that? How do you do that, Lord? And I started researching some of the men of the Bible, like who were really good dads. And I'll be honest with you, some of them that I found, like that I thought was going to be a good dad, were like terrible dads. No, I'm serious. Like David. David, I bet, man, he'd be an amazing dad. Like man of honor, man after God's own heart, you know, a warrior, but he was a worshiper. Like, but yet when I began to research it and study his children and study that lineage and study like David as a, as a, like a, a man at home, yeah, had some failures there. So I want to I wanna get through this life, and I want to I say, like, I want my kids to say, like, yeah, today, Nicole, as we were going through breakfast, say one thing you love about your dad. And they begin to say, I'm a hard worker, all these things. And then Olivia says, you're always there for us. I just spoke a funeral a couple weeks ago, and, and that's one of the, the things that children said about their dad was he was always there for us. He always had our back. No matter what, he was there for us. I want to get through this life, and I want people, but most of all, I want my children to say, man, he was always there for me. He demonstrated the Father. He was a lion. He would fight for us. He would stick up for us. He would provide for us. He would even kill for us if he had to. But he was a lamb. The Bible talks about different musical instruments. It talks about the dirge, and it talks about the flute. And many times the dirge was used during funerals, and, and it was a, a, a solemn, like kind of like a weeping kind of feel. And, and you can kind of translate it into worship, but yet a flute was something that was played for celebration and joy. It's so many times through the Bible, and in Revelations 5 and 5 and 6, for the sake of time, I'll just paraphrase, but he's talking about, now let's go to it. Revelation 5, 5 and 6, says this, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. Now, come on. God, the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when I think of lion, I think of this roar. I think of this fighter. I think of this thing that will go out on prairies and, and get food and bring it back to the young. I think of this, this lion that protects the territory, that provides and protects, and like this warrior kind of mentality, right? Anybody else with me? Then it goes on in verse 6. It says, And between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. As though it had been slain, and as we go back to the Old Testament, we see the line of the tribe of Judah. We also see the land, the Passover, the land, the blood of the lamb, and the lamb that was sacrificed for you and I. So now again in Revelations, connecting that the father is both the lion and the lamb. So we go here, it says, had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. 
So God the Father is not just this, this lion. He's also this lamb who had been slain, who laid down his life for you and I, for all humanity, for the entire world, for the cosmos. I want to demonstrate the lion and the lamb to my children, to the people around me, to my relationships. I want to, I want to laugh with those who are laughing, but I want to weep with those who are weeping. I want to play and celebrate with the flute, but I also want to be empathetic and sympathetic with the dirge. I, I want to I relate, and, and I want to say, yeah, my kids at times need correction, but at times they just need me to listen. At times, even in their failure, I remember this picture, and it was so effective. We got a phone call from the school, and Olivia had imbo- been involved in this thing, and um, so she didn't know we knew. The principal had called us, and um, I've, I asked her permission to share this a couple years ago, so I'll share it again now. I always ask my kids permission, but I forgot to today, but is this cool? Uh, she don't know what I'm going to say. So I pick her up from school. I, I, like, change the plans. I pick her up from school. She didn't ride the bus. She's like, oh, hey, Dad, how's it going? She's all happy. I was like, hey, buddy, you, you want to go to Dairy Queen? She's like, yeah, yeah, Dairy Queen sounds amazing. I was like, all right, come on, let's go to Dairy Queen. Sitting there and get her whatever she wants. I get something. We're sitting in Dairy Queen, you know, before COVID when you can go into Dairy Queen and eat and enjoy that ice cream. So, so we're there, and uh, I was like, so how was your day? It was good. Anything happened? Not really. Are you, are you sure nothing happened? I, what, 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 did, what did you hear? I... I don't know. Should I have heard something? Oh, I mean, there was something at the school lunch table, but not, not that big. I was like, oh, oh, wow. What, what happened with that? Oh, not a big deal. I said, oh, did, you, did, did anybody else know about this? Yeah. I said, like, did the principal know about th- Oh, yeah, yeah, the principal knew. So we began to just dialogue, and she be- then I was like, Olivia, they called us. We know. And then all of a sudden she just starts crying. It was the gentleness. It was the kindness. Listen, it's the gentleness. It's the kindness of God that lead men to repentance. Typically, we know what we're doing is wrong. Typically, conviction of Holy Spirit settles in, and, and oftentimes, we don't even need to say something. But that connection of that relationship now, I said, Olivia, is that who God created you to be? No. Is that what we've taught you to be? Basically, we're picking on somebody, in a sense, and she was connected to it. And I said, is that who God created you to be? Or did he create you to stand up for that, stand up to bullies? What's your identity? Who are you as a daughter of God? And begin to call out the daughter and begin to affirm her of who she is rather than beat her up of who she wasn't that day. Let me just tell you, that form of correction was way more penetrating to her heart than it would be just to pick her apart while she was already down and to condemn her and punish her and all that. She had punished herself in her heart from that moment because all of a sudden... <laughs> Tears begin to just stream. Why? Because she knew who she was of a daughter of God, and she knew she had stepped out of that. And that's all I did as a father was highlight who she was. And we've raised them since they were children and young to know who they are. That way when something, situation, or somebody comes to say who they're not, God has already confirmed who they are. And when they step out of that, conviction steps in because they know who and whose they are as daughters of God. Let me, let me close this. The band can come. And I did not get near as far as I wanted. I want to read this book. Nicole, she wrote a book four years ago of this season right now. And um, we just found that out this morning. She looked at the, the copyright or whatever. It was four years ago, almost to the day. I think her goal was to have it out Father's Day four years ago. It's called The Best Dad Ever. And um, I'll let you draw your own conclusion about who it's about. 
And we even used art and different things from our children as they were growing up. And it says, my dad is the best dad ever. One of the little boys in this church can actually recite this entire thing. He knows me better than anyone because he knew me before I was born. My dad brags about me wherever he is and with wherever he goes. I'll do like kindergarten version. And every, every page has a Bible scripture confirming this. My dad always makes sure I'm taken care of and have everything I need. He gives, he gives good things to me and others too, and his gifts are always perfect. There are days when bad things happen, but I know my dad didn't cause those things. Everything he does is good. It looks like their dog's sick. And fast forward, and it's actually it had puppies. It was pregnant. No matter what silly things I do, my dad still loves me. If I spill my drink, break something, or make a mistake, it doesn't change how ginormous his love is for me. When I'm scared, my dad helps me be brave. When things aren't really going so great, or I'm not sure how things will end up, I know my dad will be with me. It says, the Lord is with you, O oh, valiant warrior. When others call me names or make fun of me, my dad calls me his special treasure. If I'm feeling sad or angry, I know my dad will help me feel better because he is oozing with love for me. His perfect love means I don't have to worry, be afraid, or feel left out. When my dad and I spend time together, I am so happy. We dance, we laugh, we have fun. He loves it when I'm happy and full of joy. But the best thing about my dad is he's your dad too. It's talking about God the Father. Then it ends with this verse in Romans 8, 14 through 16. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live with fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And there's an activity at the end with the children in God. Um, God is the perfect father, okay? And, and this is amazing, beautiful picture, this parable, that I have to very quickly paraphrase. This is going to be like the main meat of my message to close with this. But it's the prodigal son. And I just want to highlight a few things. I love speaking about this, and I've spoke about it many times, and usually I implement it in, and one of these days I'll do a full message just dedicated to this. But in Luke 15, starting in verse 1, he talks about this parable of the son who, who went out and he took his inheritance early. There was two sons. By the way, there's two sons in this story, one representing an orphan or, or, and the other a slave. One representing rebellion, one representing a pharisaical or a religious mindset that you always have to earn your way and, and you know, all these things. So, so anyway, the, the prodigal goes, spends his inheritance early and on what they call riotous living. And all of a sudden there's this picture that the, the story begins to, to portray of this, this man, this young this son who's in a hog pen. And it's, it's going into, and there's so many references and cultural references here that, that he, in the Jewish custom they couldn't eat pork, but here he is in a hog pen eating the waste that the pigs themselves wouldn't eat. You talk about low. You talk about a bad place. That's the lowest of low. 
and then it, it, it just, for me, this week as, I'm, as I was leaning, I, I went fishing with a pastor from Troy, Dale Christian, just a really good friend of mine. We're fishing. I was like, what are you preaching about Sunday? What are you preaching about? He's like, I'm preaching on the prodigal son. I was like, I'm adding that now. And we begin to dialogue about this. And um, so, so we just begin to share that this is not just a story of identity, but a story, most of all, of a good father. And on Father's Day, I just wanted to share a few points. So, so here's the deal. And here's what God began to highlight as I prayed into this the last couple of days is, is all of a sudden it says he came to himself. Or one version says he came to his senses. Like Olivia that day coming to her divine nature of who God created her to be and her identity, she realized that she had stepped out of who God created her to be. All of a sudden, this, this gentleman, he comes to his senses. He came to his divine nature, his created self. And all of a sudden, he returned to the father's house. Now, there was a custom at that time. If, if this story would have happened, it's called Kazazan, the Jewish custom. Only if he came back would the mother be able to go greet him with a kiss at the gate and send him away forever. God shattered all of that. God destroyed all customs, all rules, all regulations, and he went running after the son. It says, when he saw him from afar, <laughs> which meant he had been waiting and looking for him to return. Now, I don't know you in here or you who are watching or viewing, like where you are, or maybe you're a prodigal, maybe you've, you've went away, or maybe you've never come to the Father's invitation of his love. But he's been waiting from afar, waiting for us to come to his loving arms. And here's the beautiful thing about this story is then all of a sudden he began to lavish him with this love. Now, as I pressed into this story this weekend, the Lord began to show me something. I believe it's also goes a little deeper that this son knew that he'd be welcomed back or else he wouldn't have come back. I believe the father, when he was young, trained him up as a child should so that when he was old, he wouldn't depart or leave from it but come back. I believe he had trained him up and directed him and poured wisdom and love and nurtured him in such a way that when he came to himself, he knew he could return home, even against custom, even against culture, even against society and rules and perception. I believe that he knew he was loved and the father did something to make sure he was loved. I had a video to show that we're not going to show now, but it's basically, it says um, something about speak it now. And it's this story, they didn't tell these kids and these adult children and his fathers what they were going to say. And they said, what are you most proud of? And this, the fathers begin to go through this list of things so they're proud of their children. And the children said, you know, what do you love most about your dad? And all of a sudden, it's this picture of this one girl saying this and it's focusing in on her. She's like, I love this. I love when you did this and this. And all of a sudden, it pans out and the father's not there. Her father had passed away. And it's saying, don't wait, speak it now. I remember Bruce sharing with me the letters he wrote to his children, and thankfully he did that because he didn't know that months or, or years or just a short time later that BJ would pass away. He spoke his heart then, like, tell your children now you love them. Tell your children now how proud of them you are or your relationships or the people you love. One thing I realized during Drew's death was that I would brag to everybody about how amazing he was, what a great dad he was, what a good husband he was. But then I realized at his funeral, as I'm saying this about him, that I never said that as much to him. Don't hold back affirmation from your children. Don't hold back affirmation from the people you love. I find it amazing that at times we treat the ones we love the most the worst. It's an injustice. 
I know they see the real side of us, but that real side should be portraying the love of the Father. So the son, he comes back, and let me just recap some of the things. The robe, as a symbol of identity and covering. He places the robe over him. That's a special robe of covering and identity, security, comfort. He puts the ring, the insignia ring on his finger. That ring was actually the family stamp. That was the authority in all of inheritance from the, from the family. It wasn't just a beautiful ring. That actually would be stamped in ink. It was the insignia ring, the family ring. And then it would cover all land contracts, agreements, covenants. And this was a thing. It was more than just his portion of the money. Now he's got the inheritance. It wasn't just wealth. It was actually now the authority of the family, the family name. And then we go into the sandals and slaves would walk barefoot. But sons and daughters and those with purpose go and wear sandals because they're meant to go and go in peace. Then we get through the, the fatted calf. Now the fatted calf is where restoration happens and it became an exchange um, to sons and daughters. So this thing was, was like the coveted, like, like the best beef that you could ever imagine. And it was saved. And it was something that's, that's got far more meaning than I have the time to go into right now. Then last was the celebration. The celebration, like, like it didn't matter where the son went. And the father, if you notice, he didn't remind him of everything he did wrong. When he came back to the house, he didn't go through the list. Well, riotous living, what did you do? How many women were you with? What drugs did you do? What alcohol, how much alcohol did you drink? Where were you? What did you do? Why did you do it? No, he didn't do that. He was calling out his identity of who he was and who God saw him as, not the mistakes he had made. Isn't that amazing that the Bible says God keeps no record of wrong? He loves us so much. This was a story of you and I. This was a story of the children coming back to a loving father. The son, the older brother, didn't get it. He thought, well, I've been with you all this time. I've been working. I've been earning a living. I've been taking care of the farm and, and everything else and the, the, the household and the estate. And now he's gone and he comes back and he gets all of this and he gets the fatted calf. And the father essentially says this. Listen, your brother was lost. My son, he was lost. Now he's found. It's time to celebrate. I don't get jealous of what other people have because I know my dad owns all the cattle and all the hills and everything in it, and he loves me, and my inheritance is heaven, and I get to pass that down through the lineage of my children, and it's not what I give to them that matters. It's what I put in them that matters. Why don't you stand with me? I want to offer you the inheritance of heaven. I want to offer you the greatest demonstration of a father. And I want to offer you that the greatest disciples you'll ever pour into are those that you're closest to, to include your children and grandchildren. They're special people. And if you don't have children or you can't have children, trust me, there are children looking for, for, to be discipled. There are children, there are people looking and hungering for relationship and hungering to be poured into and to be loved and to be, to, to be, to be given wisdom and mentorship and friendship. You know, that's the ultimate goal as a, as a parent is that you go from parenting and disciplining and discipling to now being friends and almost equals to where now you begin to exchange information and value to where now the value is not just me giving you and feeding you and taking care of you and changing your diapers. Now you're actually adding value to me and speaking into my life. And when Chloe said that to me, you're no fun. Now it's like, oh, wow, she is sharpening my iron. She is making me a better man. She is making me a better husband, a better dad. Why? Because I've given room for others to pour into me because I think of others as better than myself.
not just her, but others, people. I'm humble in that way, or try to be. I'm trying to be more humble. So just hold your hands out. The greatest father on the universe wants to adopt you with the spirit of adoption today. He is the greatest father. He won't abuse you. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you or abandon you. He loves you. He loves you and he keeps no track of any wrongs. And he's given himself as a lamb to be sacrificed for you to be joined in heaven for eternity with the Father so that you can be bought with a price and bought with the spirit of adoption where we can cry out, Daddy, and your inheritance, you're a co-heir with Jesus, and your inheritance is heaven. So Jesus, Father, we just ask right now for the spirit of adoption where you just put straight in us the spirit of adoption, Lord, right now. You were, you were slain as a lamb and you are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You've fought for us. You've sacrificed for us. You've laid down for us so that we can be your children. That is what we are. And you've lavished us with your love, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you are the best portrayal of any father in the universe. That you are the perfect father. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You've never abandoned us. You've never uh, spoken ill against us or wrong against us or say we're not going to amount to anything. You've never abused us. You've never manipulated or taken advantage or stolen from us. God, you're the perfect father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that we are sons and we are your daughters. We love you. We cry out, Daddy, right now. Just saturate that for just a moment. Just begin to, to just be intimate with him for a moment. He is the greatest father. Begin to just love on your daddy for a moment. Begin to allow him to, to love on you right now. I do feel there's healing right now. There's some restoration right now that's happening. He's trading out your sorrows. He's trading out abuse. He's trading out things that the enemy has tried to do and convince you of who you're not. When God all along has been trying to tell you who you are. Right now, he, as he sees you from afar, he's coming running to you to hug you and lavish you with gifts and his love. Just allow him to go to those deep places right now. Just that moment where a man or a dad or a husband has abused you or, or belittled you or made you feel insignificant or fearful. The Father's replacing that with love right now. His perfect love casts out all fear in Jesus' name right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I believe the spirit of adoption is, is a ministry. It's an impartation. And as you leave today, I believe that God's going to continue to make that impactful to you, your heart, and a revelation that you're going to be totally transformed and consumed by his love. It doesn't matter what others are doing, what others are saying, how our service is structured, what song we're singing. We come here for the Father. We come here to minister to him. And all of a sudden in that, we begin to just get lavished with his love and get transformed and, and totally taken up in the heavenly realms to be consumed by his love. He's so good. He's so good. He loves you so much. Happy Father's Day. I love you. I appreciate you. Um, it's kind of like my gifts to the children. Like, I wouldn't be a father without them. And I know you call me a father of a house, but I, it'd be so hard if you guys weren't so amazing and it was a family culture. So thank you uh, for just being amazing and loving me, even through my weaknesses and my, my weirdness and everything else. So I love you. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy celebrating your dads, your husbands, whatever that looks like for you. But have an amazing week. God bless you guys.